0: If you opened up the paper or turned on the TV this week, I wouldn't blame you for getting a little queasy, thinking, oh, God. Fresh off that market meltdown with stocks plunging in one of their worst days all year, fears of a recession are rising. The Washington Post said recession signals are intensifying. The New York Times warned of a global slowdown.
1: So we're due for a recession, and I think there's some signs that we are going to head into one, but you can't... That's not to say we're going to have another
0: version of the 2008 financial crisis. How worried should Americans be right now about a recession? Slate's Jordan Weissman covers the economy. And he says, don't panic.
1: The economy right now is, right now at this moment, is okay. Right? Like, job growth is still good. Unemployment is still low. The the economy has been growing. Growth has slowed a bit, but... It's not like we're in a recession. What people are afraid of is what's coming. That's what everyone, everyone's looking six months, a year down the road and saying, hey, I see warning signs. And this week, all the alarms just got louder, right? It's like instead of like uh, one yellow sign flashing above, like (laughs) like one yellow light flashing above, now there are lights going off everywhere. That's where we are.
0: Whenever Jordan comes into the studio, he likes to draw little graphs with his hands. So I asked him to break down what happened this week by plotting it on an XY axis.
1: Well, okay, so the graph that everyone is talking about is the yield curve, which I believe...
0: We have discussed.
1: We have discussed. I have referred to this as...
0: Jordan and I are going to describe the yield curve in the most painless way possible. My favorite description of the yield curve is that usually it looks like a smiley face. but it's when like it's a
1: smirk, sort of, <laughs> like a one-sided smirk. Um, but when it's
0: inverted, it's frowny.
1: Yeah. So I'm going I'm to do a thing. I'm going to tell okay, you Okay. Jordan's
0: description this. of the yield curve is a little less basic than mine. What you need to know is that this graph tracks interest rates on bonds. And right now, a longer-term bond is offering lower interest rates than a shorter-term bond. Which is weird. Whenever the yield curve has inverted over the last 50 years, it's signaled a recession.
1: So people look at this thing, what we're talking about, as a very historically reliable leading indicator that economic trouble is coming.
0: I mean, it sounds like what you're saying is yeah. the the yield curve is sort of like a fever, Like, it doesn't indicate how bad it's going to get or what it is. It just means you might barf soon.
1: Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, right. It's a it's a uh, it's a symptom, right? The fact that the yield curve is getting super duper extra inverted, as Donald Trump put it, crazy and we now have a crazy inverted yield curve um, (laughs) is a sign that something's not right and someone should maybe step in and try to do something. (laughs) Maybe someone should try to clean up, like something's amiss, someone should should take some responsibility for the situation and maybe try to keep us from falling into a recession just in case one might be coming.
0: And if a recession is coming, Jordan's got a plan, real concrete things we could do right now to avoid falling off a financial cliff. So today we're going to talk about them. I'm Mary Harris. You're listening to What Next. Stick with us. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This week, when that yield curve kept inverting, a lot of economists went looking for an explanation. What many kept coming back to was tariffs, those taxes the president has slapped onto Chinese-made goods.
1: You know, tariffs have their uses, right? China's approach to trade is problematic in a lot of ways. They are, they are very mercantilist. A lot of Americans have suffered because of the way China has approached trade and the way we've engaged China. And theoretically, there's a world where we could use tariffs and probably it would require teaming up with other countries to do this correctly. But to kind of fix those problems, you can use them as a political tool. I'm
0: sensing a but.
1: But. Yeah. But if you're just like throwing tariffs up, left and right, and with the vague hope that something is going to crack and China will eventually give in to your, your, your demands, um, and in the meantime, you're just sort of gumming up the entire economy and the entire you know, global trade system. No, that's not good.
0: The thing is, these tariffs aren't just impacting consumers here in the U.S. They're having ripple effects. China's selling fewer goods in the U.S., and therefore, Chinese people are buying fewer cars from Germany. And it's not like the tariffs are going away. Earlier this month, Trump tried to ratchet up pressure on China, decided to put a 10 percent tariff on another 300 billion dollars
1: worth of goods. It's a lot. <laughs> it's, you know, we're, at that point, we are putting a tariff on everything China sells us. People freaked out a bit. Markets were not happy for obvious reasons. Um, and then this week. He announced that, well, we're actually going to delay some of these tariffs. little rollback till yeah, after Christmas. Yeah, until December 15th because of Christmas. He's like, we don't we don't want to mess with Christmas shopping season. Then he, he kind of he qualified. He's like, not that we think the tariffs have messed with anything so far, but just in case they could, we're, we're, we're going to hold off on the ones on phones and laptops and video game consoles until December 15th, by which time all the retailers will have bought all their Christmas stuff. And it's just like, it's very obvious that everyone except within that administration, other than Donald Trump and maybe a few of his more hardline advisors, understand the problem. And yet, for some reason, we've reached this point where we just can't back down. We can't undo it. And it's Um,
0: interesting because I was talking to my producer. We're talking about how it felt a little bit like pre-2008 feeling where there were lots of people saying there's a problem and we knew what it was. In that case, the housing situation was the problem. But in this case, the problem seems very clearly to be government decision-making.
1: I mean, it's complicated. It depends a little bit where you are in the world. But yeah, I mean, it's like part of the the, really scary thing is to some extent, Trump isn't even listening to his advisors anymore. There's been reporting saying that when he decided on the 10% tariff, and then like decided on the uh, to name China a currency manipulator which he did at one point it was like totally against the advice of most of his advisors like most of them were don't do it and he's like i'm doing it <laughs> like that's no i'm doing it it's just like when you tell a kid like don't press the button don't press the button just don't whatever you do like <laughs> and he's you, like kids,
0: i'm, I'm going to press I'm pressing it. it i'm going
1: to press it Pressing it. Just, i'm going to press it just you just cuz you told me not to i'm going to press <laughs> it um but you know I, I think the memory of 2008 is also relevant in some other ways too though. Um you know back then the federal reserve could have cut rates much earlier than it did. Hmm. Um instead they were worried about inflation. It, when you look back at the historical notes like the their, the transcripts of the meetings they had back then, they were still worried about inflation after the day after Lehman collapsed. They were still right? like they were still hyper focused on the possibility of inflation when an investment bank had just crumbled.
0: So the house is burning and they're like, should we put water on it? I don't know. Uh, yeah. It'll ruin the furniture.
1: Yeah, kind of. Yeah, that was sort of <laughs> that was sort of where they were. Um, and, and looking back on it, it was just a a historical malpractice. And so now we're at a point where the Fed is clearly doing better. They've already cut rates. They understand that things are rocky. They're not. Their head is not deep in the sand like it was in 2008. Um, But they could do more.
0: So your piece this week was titled, Someone Should Probably Step In and Stop the Economy from Tumbling Into a Recession. We've talked about tariffs. So obviously you're not a fan of those. No. But what else do you think we should be doing here? Well,
1: there's the Federal Reserve. They could be cutting rates or taking other steps. Um, And then there's just like the really obvious thing, which... Donald Trump would probably like to do, which is just the government should spend more money. We can borrow for, like, 30 years at a time right now at a, like, less than 2% interest rate, right? Like, the world just wants to give us money for, like, nothing, (laughs) right? Like, it really, it really does. And a very logical thing to do when the economy is having some trouble and the world just wants to give you money to spend is to take the money and spend it on things you need. Right, like— Infrastructure. Like Donald Trump wants a trillion dollar infrastructure bill. That should happen. We have like (laughs) planetary disaster on the way, like thanks to climate change. Like we could probably we should probably be spending money to like get rid of coal. Like that would be this is a good opportunity. (laughs) Like there's like a sale on money. Right. Mm -hmm. Like there's like that's like really what the bond market is saying. It's like money. Ninety (laughs) nine (laughs) percent off. But um, I want to talk.
0: I mean, I want to talk about why getting an infrastructure bill like that passed, like spending all this free money is so hard. Yeah. Like, just an example, during the last recession, we passed a massive stimulus.
1: Well, we did, yeah, after, after the fact. Like, there's, we were in a recession and we tried to do a stimulus. And this comes back to the political issue, right? Like, we knew we, it was obvious to, to some people, not to everybody, but to some people in 2008 that we needed to spend more money on stimulus than we did.
0: And we did pass the Recovery Act, but it was brutal. The political
1: process was brutal. Right. And this is, I mean, this is, and this comes back to one, you know, there are some principled conservatives who, who just wrongly, I think, don't like the idea of government debt and deficits and don't believe in stimulus. And then there's sort of the bad faith aspect of it, which are there probably were some Republicans at the time who just wanted to kneecap the Obama presidency, you know, Mitch McConnell style. And we've seen a lot of that concern about debt and deficits uh, just evaporate under the Trump administration. Um, you know, in the last few years, with tax cuts and increased spending caps and things like that. Now we have a president who, a Republican president, who wants to just blow money so he can build a bu- bunch of bridges and highways and put his name on them. Like this should be a great time. <laughs> this is this is a perfect moment for all that. Um, you know, fix the New York City subway, build a new line, and call it the Trump Line. For all I care. <laughs> like, you know, finish the Second Avenue extension. Like, there are all sorts of things. Build that tunnel to Jersey that got delayed by Chris Arc tunnel. Yeah, there are all sorts of things we could be spending money on and, you know, rehabbing and also maybe making more efficient. And they're just not, enough, like, for whatever reason, Republicans in Congress are still allergic to this idea.
0: So, if you're advising a congressperson right now, yeah. like, what are you
1: telling them? Spend the money, take the money. <laughs> That's what I'm telling them. Take the money. If you're in Congress, take I mean like the bottom line is that right now the US could borrow a ton of money and not have to worry about it for several decades because the rule of thumb is that if your economy is growing faster than the or at a higher rate than the interest you have to pay on your debt, then you don't really have to worry about the debt. then it's sustainable, right? Like the problem with debt is it, basically free. It's it's not free, but it's sustainable. You you can finance it. You can keep it's like if your income grows faster than the, than the rate on your mortgage. Right. It's OK. Good. You know, the, the thing you want to avoid is where the debt balloons and suddenly you literally do not. Your economy is not big enough to finance the payments you owe to your creditors. Like that's the worst case scenario. That doesn't happen if growth is is fast enough and your interest rates are low enough. We're in a situation right now where debt would be sustainable. We could borrow a ton of money and just like, as a matter of math, be OK. And that's what makes this really frustrating is like if you actually just sit down and look at the numbers, it's like, oh, yeah, we, we, we could afford the nice new roof, <laughs> the nice new solar roof on our house. That's fine. That's great. It's good investment. <laughs>
0: like, But that's... I think the I think the problem in Washington is like, how much racism are you willing to stomach for that roof?
1: Do you know what I mean? So like, our, with... I guess the question is like. If you go in and you want to negotiate an infrastructure bill and he says, yeah, but build the wall. Part of one of the piece of infrastructure I'm really worried about is the wall is that, you know, cross that bridge when we come to it. You said this interesting
0: thing, which is Republicans, once they had their guy in the White House, they seemed fine with spending. Yeah. But really, we could have used all this money before.
1: Oh, yeah, totally. We definitely needed it much earlier than we got it.
0: Do you think we could have prevented some of the panic we're seeing now if we'd just spent a little more back in 2011?
1: No, um, yeah, it's a, it's, no, it's a little different. I, I think the economy just would have recovered faster in We'd just be in a different economy, right? Like we'd be in a different set. If it's like a spend, parallel universe. Yeah, I mean that that really is. That's like this like, is the universe convinced- where there's
0: Spider Gwen, not Spider Man. Yeah, exactly. No,
1: it, it's like Scarlet Witch like used her powers to convince Mitch McConnell to agree to a larger stimulus. Like, <laughs> like it just it's a different it's a different world, right? Like, who knows if Donald Trump's even president? There, we might not be in this trade war, right? There, there are just a lot of we can contemplate so many different things. I mean, the funny thing is, the last couple of years, like really. Or last year or so, like 2018, early 2019, insofar as the economy was pretty good, a lot of that was driven by stimulus spending. It was the tax cut, which put more money in people's pockets, um, and also uh, just the fact that Congress decided to raise a bunch of budget caps. And so just their federal spending has powered a lot of the, the growth over the last year and a half or so. And part of the problem now for the U.S. is that some of that's petering out. We're getting less of a we're getting less of a jolt than we were from um, from the Trump stimulus. Right. Um, Because it was
0: like a very specific targeted jolt, like one time. Yeah. Yeah. As opposed to like a job.
1: Well, no, it's not just that. Just like stimulus spending is sort of is a one time jolt. It's like you that that's what it's meant to be. It's supposed to get you back on track. Um, You know, the, the thing with tax cuts is that in theory, they're supposed to work by changing incentives and, and increasing long term growth rates and yada. It just didn't. There's no sign it did any of that. Like it's mm. like it's it's no sign. It, there's no sign any of the promises came true there. But they 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 kind of gave the economy a jolt once this would be a good time to do it again. But, you know, not waste the money on like tax cuts for like car dealers, which is you'd be shocked how much of the, the Republican tax bill was like effectively a, a tax cut for car dealers. <laughs> <But> like, <laughs> the I'm listeners like, can't see me like putting my yeah, head into you actually, my microphone right Mary's now. Mary's head bumped into the microphone, <laughs> like when I said car dealers. Like it was just, I was about to say, every time I come on the show <laughs> these days, it's just, it's about despair. It's like, it becomes like a therapy session. Where it's like, and the, the thing is, things aren't even that bad. Like, think, like the economy, like I said, is okay right now. It's like the the job market is okay. It's just, I think it's really important to say though, because
0: I do feel it's interesting to me listening to the commentators. Yeah, because it's like this very controlled alarm. Yeah, like no one wants to freak everyone out, but everyone wants to be like, hey, hey guys, like.
1: Do something. We could do a thing. We could do a thing. Like I said, do the thing. Take the money spent. Cut the rates. Like we've been on a nice hike. We're on the trail. Oh, there's a predator. There's a bear. There's a bear. <laughs> Let's do the thing to not get eaten by the bear. Like we're not being eaten right now. It's not chewing on me yet. <laughs> but <laughs> we should take proactive steps to make sure it doesn't start chewing on us. But that's, it's run out really. of blueberries. We see, the bear. we see the we see the wildcat. We don't want it to start gnawing on us. That's that's where we are. And I just I would like us to not get not on. Thanks, Mary. Thank you for having me on. I hope that I hope that clarifies things for everybody.
0: Jordan Weissman, thank you so much for joining me. You're welcome. Jordan Weissman covers the economy here at Slate. All right, that's the show. What next is produced by Jason DeLeon and Mary Wilson. This is usually the part where I tell you to go listen to The Gist with Mike Pesca. Today, instead, I'm going to tell you you can go buy tickets to see Mike live in a Gist show at the Bell House in Brooklyn. It's on Monday, September 16th, and it's going to have comedians like Hari Kondabalu who are going to be breaking down the business of making people laugh. Plus, you'll even hear a few stand-up sets. Get your tickets at slate.com live. I'm Mary Harris, and I'm about to take a couple weeks off. But I'll be right back after Labor Day, and you're about to get a bunch of fantastic shows from my colleagues Henry Grabar and Christina Cotarucci. I hope you get to take some time off this month, and I'll catch you in September.